Grab your Bibles, if you will, and open them to the 12th chapter of the book of Exodus and follow as I read in just a moment. But I, I always feel it's incumbent upon me to explain something um, each time we have the Lord's Supper because we, we have it here monthly. Um, there are other places that have it weekly. There are other places that have it quarterly. We do it monthly. And um, what we try to do is focus on it, not on, on the, the, the pulpit. We, um, I, I try to give you what I would call just a sermonette to try and just uh, ready you to, for this sacrament. So understand that um, the real focus this morning is on what you're going to do with these two elements in your hand, in your pew, not on what I'm doing. Uh, mine is just, just a preface, a mere preface to hopefully um, the worship that you will enjoy over the sacrament. Now, follow as I read the first uh, 13 verses of Exodus chapter 12, and they read like this. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month every man shall take a lamb, according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb... Then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall, ta- you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male, a year old, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts of the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague shall befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, that endures forever. Guys, Exodus chapter 12 um, is a famous chapter in, in, in the scriptures, and I, I, I've said to you a couple of three months now that we're using it, uh, we're going to pick it apart for several months, 10, 12 months maybe, uh, uh, as our text for the preparation of the Lord's Supper. Uh, Exodus 12 is famous because, first of all, it introduces the Passover, and you know that it was a Passover meal, I think you know this. Uh, a Passover meal that Jesus was eating in the upper room on the, uh, on the night that he was betrayed and then ultimately crucified. It was in, uh, at that meal 
in that room where he takes the Passover, the Passover meal, he reworks it, he redefines it, and gives it to us in this form. He, he, He supplants the Passover with this. He puts this in this place. Now, the other reason that this chapter is fairly famous is because in the last paragraph or so, uh, it discusses the Exodus, Israel being uh, wrenched out of uh, Egyptian bondage and and set free, which is a huge part of the whole story of redemption. So it's a famous chapter. It's a chapter that, as I said, describes the Passover. But guys, you do know this, don't you? That this is rich in symbolic profundity. It's pointing to things. It's, it's telling you things. Not just about a ritual. Not just about a sacrament. It's telling you things, ultimately, about what the Savior would do. And it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a little bit, oh, somewhat hard to figure out, but not really. What I'm trying to show you is is all the little things in here, in this chapter, that point us not simply to Christ, not only to Christ, but to Christ and what he would do. Okay? So I want to draw your attention this morning to verses 8 and 9. Because in those verses, we are told how the Lamb is to be prepared. That is, to be prepared to be eaten. Can I read you 8 and 9 one more time? They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire. With unleavened bread and bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its leg, and its inner parts. Okay, guys, verse 8 tells you how to prepare it. The lamb was to be roasted with fire. Verse 9 tells you how it is not to be eaten. It is not to be eaten raw. It is not to be eaten boiled. It is only to be eaten roasted. With fire. You must not, God says to Israel, in any way eliminate the fire. God is very emphatic. You know, guys, I'm always intrigued when I come to texts like these. A text that says, um, now listen up. This is how I want you to do it, but this is how I don't want you to do it. I'm telling you, says God, you do it like this, but for heaven's sakes, don't do it like that. Not only does he give us positive directions as to how it's to be done, he gives us negative directions as to how it is not to be done. We can't miss it. 
Guys, this lamb is to be made into acceptable food in one and only one way. It is to be roasted with fire. Unroasted lamb was not acceptable food. You see, if you ate it raw, that meant you had no fire. If you ate it boiled, that, that, that meant there was only half of a fire. That fire was in no way to be eliminated. It was that fire that made the lamb into an acceptable meal. There was only one way. There was one way and only one way that this lamb was to be eaten. And that was after it had been roasted with fire. You know, guys, there's something about that fire. There's something about that fire that made the lamb into acceptable food. You, you know enough about your Bibles, I bet, that most of the time that you see fire mentioned, it has to do with the judgment and the condemnation of God. I, I could list, I mean, I've got like nine listed here in my notes, but I, I, I don't have Sodom and Gomorrah consumed by fire. Um, Numbers chapter uh, 11, when the people complained about food and they were consumed with fire. Numbers chapter 16, where Dathan and Abiram led a revolt against Moses and they were, 250 of them were consumed by fire. Nadab and Abihu, the two sons of Aaron, did this strange piece of stuff and they were consumed by fire. Um, Jesus even talks about the hell of fire. I guess the, the most prominent um, image is in Revelation chapter 20, where, where, we're to, where we're told about a lake of fire. And guys, I just want to read you one. This is out of um, Hebrews 10, two verses. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume his adversaries. In no way, under any circumstances, at no time, is that fire to be minimized, to be eliminated. A raw lamb or a boiled lamb is just a way to eliminate the fire. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we live in a, a 21st century culture that is doing everything that it can to eliminate the very thing that God said not to eliminate.
This culture does everything that it can to tell you, don't worry about that fire. Just forget it. You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to have a fire. And in its place, they offer us a, a, a savior in all of his moral beauty, in all of his moral excellence, and indeed he does have moral excellence. But what we're being offered today in the 21st century uh, is a gospel that somehow twists and turns things such that the fire is eliminated. The, The idea... That God uh, somehow um, has this hatred for sin is just repugnant to, to modern man today. And so they offer us a boiled lamb or a, a raw lamb. The one thing God made clear that he didn't want is the thing we're being offered we're being offered a lamb that um, has undergone no fire guys if you take away the fire if you take away the fact that Jesus Christ is a sin bearing substitute for sin then we will starve. Give me a Savior who has borne all of my sin in His body and has been roasted with fire to the full. Give me a Savior who has paid for my sin by enduring God's wrath For my sin. Guys, it's my sin that separates me from God. And and it can only be dealt with by a Savior who has been roasted by the fire of God's wrath. I'm going to tell you a story. I I, I, want to hurry, but... I'll tell you a story. Um, it's an old story. In fact, I'm dating myself by telling you this story. It was a big story back in the 70s. Um, in fact, I think I first heard it from Jim Kennedy when Susan and I first became Christians back in the 70s. And, and then I heard it from Chuck Swindoll. Uh, and then I saw it in several books. And it's, in fact, I think I've told this story before. It's, but it's, it's just an apt illustration of what I'm trying to say. It, it has to do with life lived on the prairie. Um, and, and it was widely known that the number one fear of those who lived on the prairie was a prairie fire. And, and at the first hint of, uh, off into the distance, of a prairie fire moving in their direction, everyone who lived on the prairie knew that there was really only one solution for combating a prairie fire. And so what they would do is that they would, they would, they would take, pick a spot and they would burn everything in that spot within a 100-yard, 150-yard radius around them. They'd burn the grass and the bushes and the trees and, 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 and everything. They'd burn it all up. 
And then they would, they would run and stand in the middle of that burnout area. And so when the fire swept by winds came roaring towards them, it would come to this spot and it would separate and go around them because there was simply nothing left in there to burn. The only safe place to stand was in that place that had already been scorched. Ladies and gentlemen, for us who know our sin in this room, we know that the only safe place for us to stand is in the place that has already been scorched by the wrath of God. That on Calvary, where Jesus was crucified, the full weight of God's fury against sin has been poured out. And you and I Stand right next to a lamb that has been roasted with fire. It's the only safe place to stand. Where do you stand? Our Father, as we consider those things and um, head to the table for this sacrament, would you remind us that what we have here are some common elements, nothing, uh, nothing sacred about the, the, the liquid or the bread. It's just, it's just sacred because it symbolizes something very dear to us. It symbolizes the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ, the one who was roasted, roasted for me, and for all of us in this room, O oh God, who know this Savior, we glory in this Lamb. Meet us here, O oh God, would you do that, for Jesus' sake.